Hello, I'm Neil Quigley, and welcome to the latest episode of my podcast. This week, find out the closest they'll ever manage to get to interviewing Kylie Minogue. Also, how me and my boss at a former radio station managed to end up headlining a big music event that we were putting on, superseding the acts that we'd booked to perform in it, and an interview I did with this lady. Hello, this is Anna Matronic of Scissor Sisters. Several years ago, just after the band released their third album, that's all to come this week. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Neil Quigley. Kylie Minogue recently celebrated her 50th birthday. I am a massive Kylie fan. Always liked her music since she released her very first single. And I did used to watch her in Neighbours as well. While it was tea time viewing as a kid, 5.30, you always had to watch Neighbours after the BBC children's television programmes had finished for the evening. It was kind of the law. Sadly, I've never managed to meet Kylie. That would be my dream. I would love to sit down and interview Kylie, talk to her about her career, have a chat, get to know her, have a laugh. Alas, though, that has never happened. The closest I ever got to Kylie Minogue was once I got to interview her screen mum from Neighbours. Yep, Madge from Neighbours, or Anne Charleston, to give her her correct name, actually came in on one of my radio shows for an afternoon live interview. She was in a play that was touring the UK and came in to see me when I was working at Ivalon FM in Yeovil when her play was in town at the Oxygen Theatre. Fair play to her. The play was selling pretty well. She didn't really need to come in and necessarily promote it or drag herself in during the afternoon to speak to me. I did have a great relationship with the theatre and they did try to get me as many guests in as they possibly could and Anne Charleston did agree. She came in and obviously we talked a bit about the play, got her to explain that and what her role was in that. And then, of course, we came on to talking about Neighbours. So I had a nice chat to her about Neighbours. Obviously, I did ask her what it was like being Kylie Minogue's screen mum. I can't remember if I asked for her on-screen daughter's number or not. I'm guessing probably not. I wasn't that brave back then. Then I made a slight error, which led to a very awkward piece of radio for me that afternoon. You know, sometimes you think of things that in your head you think will be funny, but in reality, maybe they're not as amusing as you initially thought. Kylie Minogue, of course, was not the only actor for Neighbours to have a career in music and release some songs. I could think of about six or seven of the former cast members who went on to have some sort of career in the world of music, including not only her on-screen daughter Kylie, her on-screen son, played by Craig McLaughlin, he also had a bit of chart success. Therefore, I think I asked her a question along the lines of, had she ever thought of releasing a song herself? To which she looked at me in utter disgust, went silent for probably about 10 seconds, but on live radio, it seemed forever, and then basically just changed the subject. Made for a bit of an awkward end to the interview, but I have to say, she was fine about it. She was lovely. We had a nice chat and a good exchange as she left the studio, and it was all fine. Mind you, she never did introduce me to Kylie. Neil Quigley. When I was at Ivel FM, we put on a big summer concert, a big disco extravaganza in one of the showgrounds just on the outskirts of Yeovil. It was a big deal, a big event, open-air concert, was going to attract thousands and thousands of people. We were promoting it via the radio station and we had our own arm of the company which basically put on events. They were involved, they sorted all the staging, they'd booked everything and they'd booked the acts. Their lineup of acts for the event was brilliant. It included Odyssey, The Real Thing and Gwen Dickey's Rose Royce. So it was a big 70s, 80s disco feel to it. It was going to be great. Was really, really looking forward to it. So all the presenters were there, myself included, and my boss was there. We all had a fantastic time. And what I do love about being involved in these big events is actually the bit where you get on stage and get to host it. So you get to walk out in front of thousands of people, have a chat, have a laugh, and bring on some great acts. So I got to do a bit of hosting, which was great. Also got to meet all the acts backstage as well before they went on. 
had a lovely chat with Odyssey. In fact, one of them told me that I had really beautiful, spectacular blue eyes. Sadly for me, it was the man in the band and not the woman who said that. The real thing were absolutely lovely as well, really friendly, really nice, good guys. And I've said this before, one of them very kindly opened a bottle of beer for me backstage. Odyssey went on first, did all their big hits. Then the real thing went on and did all theirs. In fact, I'm pretty sure if my memory serves me right, we actually gatecrashed the end of the real thing set and me and my boss were dancing and jumping around on the back of the stage. In fact, at one point, we were dancing and jumping around so hard, I think we actually made the on-stage sound desk jump up and down and the music go a bit funny, which got us some stares from the promoters and the sound guys. So we calmed down the bounce a little bit. It was great fun, like being on stage, kind of, with the real thing. Well, I say being on stage with, it may have been a bit more like a Michael Jackson and Jarvis Cocker situation at the Brits, but I like to point out I did remain fully clothed at all times. And the night was headlined by Gwen Dickey's Rose Royce, who were absolutely brilliant, so good, really got the crowd going, did all the big hits, performed magnificently. She has an amazing voice and is a great performer. It was lots of fun. Now, she finished her set at about 10 o'clock. The curfew for the place was half past 10. There were still thousands and thousands of people left in the showground after the performance. And on stage, because we were doing a bit of DJing a bit earlier on, there was a DJ console set up on stage. Therefore, once all the acts were performed, before people had a chance to leave, me and my boss jumped on the CD players and the mixing desk and started doing a disco. We did about a half an hour, 45-minute disco for the crowns remaining, and it was great. They were lapping it up, and they were loving it. So technically, it was supposed to be Gwen Dickey headlining, but in the end, me and my boss kind of took that away from her, and we finished the gig and did it ourselves. It's great fun, to be fair. Had a fantastic night. Neil Quigley. Please welcome a member of an American band who the English have taken to their heart with two million plus selling albums and three bit awards under their belts. They're back with their first material for three years. Has it really been that long? From the Scissor Sisters, it's animatronic. Hello. Hello. How are we? I'm very well and very happy to be back in England. Like all great stories, it was an instant success. It took a lot of hard work. But what was the moment you really felt the Scissor Sisters actually arrived as a band? That would be 2004 Glastonbury when our album first went number one. We uh, had an amazing, amazing, amazing show at Glastonbury. We had never played to a crowd that size before. And having that effect and seeing just all those thousands and thousands of people just go mental as they did, it was so overwhelming. And then to go away, have a great weekend. We had an amazing weekend that weekend. We spent all, all weekend at the festival. And then when the Midweek Sharks came out the next week, we were number one. And they said, oh, your record's going to go number one. And I just thought it was so crazy because... It had been out for six months. And then it really was that performance and, and the um, the broadcast of it on TV that really shot us up into the stratosphere. Looks like you always have a great time when you're on stage. You have fun, have a good time together. What are the rest of the group like to work with? Just tell us a bit about them. I mostly work with Jake and Baby Daddy. They are the main songwriters of the band. I have never really experienced anyone who could just sit down and write a song in five minutes like Jake Shears can. He is such an amazing act of imagination that he just goes and he's just got it and he can pick words out of the air, put them together and they sound really great. He's really, really amazing at telling a story in a song and Baby Daddy is just really meticulous worker and can pick up a guitar or play piano and come up with a really nice melody or bass line. I find their talents so inspiring and then I'm sort of the grace notes on top of everything. I help Jake with lyric writing, I help Baby Daddy with music and just kind of try to be the, um, 
I guess the sort of uncarved, inexperienced, you know, out of the mouth of babes comes the comes the truth sort of person in the in the band. Babe Daddy's asked me not to take any musical theory classes or music classes because he thinks it'll ruin the spontaneity of what we have. How does it work in the sense you all sit down and drink loads of coffee and do it together or do you work separately then sort of bring it all together at a later date? It's really different uh, depending on which song or what we're working on. We have songs that started with me and Baby Daddy in the in the studio. There are songs that are Jake and Baby Daddy in the studio, songs that are all three of us. And it can start with a with another song that we really love that we kind of want to emulate or try and write something like. There could be a bass line in that song that we love or a lyric that we want to get into. Or it can be a story that somebody told us over the weekend. Anything, any little thing can start it off. But it usually starts with Baby Daddy making a beat in, in the computer and then building the song out from there and then writing the lyrics that go with the sort of sentiment of the music and build it from there. Now that kind of leads us on quite nicely to a new album which uh, is Nightwork and it's out on the 28th of June. It's been a while since you released any songs, 2006 was yeah. the last time you released a song. Obviously you did quite a bit of gigging after that didn't you? You did quite a long tour at yes. the end of that. So kind of what happened between say the end of that tour and now where you've got to on this album? Just yeah. a, a bit of chilling time? or We did have a bit of chilling time that is an absolute requirement for us after tour because we really give everything that we have in a show and so when you do a year's worth of touring that's 250 nights of giving everything you have and you really need some time to come down from that i liken it to astronauts re-entering the earth's atmosphere <laughs> we really have to kind of go through our decompression and our our re-entry orientation to get our feet back on the ground so it, it takes a little while and i think i would say that we took a good probably six months to to really just kind of come back down to earth and get back into our, our normal routine. And then we also did a lot of sort of side projects, personal side projects. Jake wrote a musical, Baby Daddy, started taking painting lessons and started to paint, which was really great. Dell did a solo album. I worked on a couple of writing projects, one for a stage and another for actually a comic book. So we did a lot of different things. And then once we came back together, we had a lot of time and, and perspective, I think, to bring back into the band. And it made us, I think it made us stronger as, as individuals and then as creative people within Scissor Sisters. What would you say the vibe is with this new album? What's, what's the feel of it to you? To me, it's the soundtrack for the ultimate evening out. It is just unbridled fun. And I think now that we have two records under our belt, one was a totally surprising success. I had no idea that we were going to be received in the way that we did on the first album. I think the second album was a real deliberate attempt to prove our worth as songwriters, especially for Jake. And so I think we sort of pulled back a little bit on the camp elements and, and the elements that were so present on the first record. And I think it was a little bit more serious and a real attempt to prove that the first album wasn't a fluke. Now that we've proved ourselves, it's just kind of like, you know, we can do whatever we want. So the reins came off, and I think that there is a real sense of unbridled joy on this record that was not present on the last one. And there is, I definitely think that there are songs that have some sinister elements to them, but it really is, to me, I think the soundtrack for the, for the ultimate evening out.
Now, you work with a new producer as well, Stuart Price. Well, I say yeah. you, he's quite established, of course, worked with The Killers, Madonna, and also he's uh, been working with Kylie on her current album. Yes. Um, and does that give, do you think, maybe a different sound to this album or just enhance what the Scissor Sisters already had? I definitely think it enhanced the record. It still sounds like Scissor Sisters, and we have known Stuart for so long, since 2003, that he knew our sound, and a few of the songs that we brought to him were already quite produced. So I think it just enhanced. You can definitely hear his hand on the controls in a lot of the songs and we all have very similar musical tastes once we're all in the room together we're listening to records and songs that we all really really love and are inspired by so he is totally a scissor sister without a doubt I mean if he wanted to come and get on stage with us and do this tour with us I would love it I would jump at the chance to get him on stage with us brings me nicely on to my next question what do you prefer best about the job for you is it working in the studio on the new material and recording the albums or is it being out on stage in front of the audience singing the songs it's audience all the way baby for me i am addicted to the spotlight and addicted to interacting with the crowd and so the fact that we you know have had had that long to work on it i think was really great because really we really stored up all of our energy and we're now just chomping at the bit to get out there and share this music with people so yeah that's my bliss absolutely now you mentioned earlier that it really sort of started happening for you when you played glastonbury in 2004 you're back there this summer yeah which is going to be amazing i've been a few times it's just a a great place to be at a great place to play yeah now your stage shows can be quite shall we say elaborate the brit awards performances spring to mind have you got anything special planned yet for glastonbury this year then well i really love glastonbury funnily enough the very first time we played in 2004 I loved it so much, and my husband loved it as well. He came out for the weekend. We loved it so much. We've been back every year since, except last year. So every Glastonbury, except last year, since 2004, I've been there. So I was at the Crazy Mud year with Shirley Bassey. I was was there that year as well. Oh, that was so magical. It was such a great year. Really, really loved the festival. So I've written a sort of love letter to Glastonbury that I will be be delivering on stage. I do want to do something special. I don't want to give anything away, but we definitely do want to pay tribute in some sort of special way to um, the country and to the countryside around Glastonbury, which I think is really, really magical. Whatever you do, I'm sure it'll be a spectacular performance and we are looking forward to it. You do have a really good relationship with a lot of groups of fans, I believe. Is yeah. that true? You do some special things for some as well. Is that is that correct? We do a lot of secret gigs and um, and we'll do a lot of special things for our fans. On the last few gigs that we played in, in England for the Tada Tour, we had a special little area of our stage because our stage was built to look like the scissor logo and we had the scissor legs. And then in between the scissor legs, we had a little area that we called the crotch pit and um, and we filled it up with fans. There was room for about 50 people in that in that little area and we put all of our big fans had them email in and uh, we got them in there which was really really great because it gave me and Jake people to vibe off of that were just right there in our faces and we really really liked that and they're the big fans who all know all the words to the songs and have their own little dances and and little choreography to, to different songs and it was really really great. Who do you like musically? Who are the bands or artists that if you like inspire you or the ones that you think maybe at the moment are really really good? I love Florence. Oh she is my red-headed fiery sister comrade in arms she's really great um there's a band out right now called the drums that i think are really 
really great from the States and one that people probably haven't heard of uh, whose album I just love. They're also from the States from Baltimore, which is an excellent city, but they're called Beach House and they do really melodic, beautiful sort of atmospheric guitar rock. It's really, really beautiful and the, the lead singer sometimes sounds very androgynous, but she sometimes sounds like Marianne Faithful. So I've I really like their music a lot. You did mention, so you are going on tour with a new album, is that that correct? Mm-hmm. Have you got sort of that timings for that yet? I believe you'll be seeing us back in the UK touring before the year is up. We want to take our time to really make this a very, very special tour, something that, that is obviously visually arresting and, and uh, giving people more than their money's worth. So we're, we're going to take some time to formulate our plan of attack, but we will be back before the end of the year. You can guarantee that. First single for three years from the album Nightwork. It's called Fire With Fire. It's mm-hmm. out next month. Yes. What can you tell us about that? Fire with Fire was written in the studio with Jake Stewart and Baby Daddy. I sadly was not there at the time, but it was born out of a real, I think, clear moment of self-reflection for Jake, where he was kind of contemplating the past and looking looking toward the future. And I think it's a, it's a very carpe diem sort of song. It's a song about taking the adversity in life and meeting it with as much gumption as you can possibly muster, working through your blocks and soldiering on and giving yourself permission to, to go for it. And whether you succeed or fail, you will never fail yourself. All the best with the new album, the single, and Glastonbury this year. I'm sure you'll rock that place. Thanks very much. Thank you. It was and great talking to you. Neil Quigley. Panto legend and all-round nice guy Christopher Biggins came in for an interview once. Not long after he'd won I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. It also just released his book, which, by the way, is brilliant. He gave me a copy of it and signed it for me. It's really good. If you haven't seen it, it really is worth a read. It was fantastic. He was lovely. No airs and graces. He came in by himself, found his way into our studios. You may think showbiz is all glamorous, but it's not always the case. Our studios were fairly basic and fairly bog standard, and you had to come up a very grey and white staircase to actually get into the offices to get through to our radio studios to which Christopher Biggins likened to some sort of bunker once he'd come up the stairs and into our office. Very hard to disagree with him, to be fair. It was great fun to interview. Very happy to talk about anything his personal life, his previous career, which, to be fair, is pretty impressive. If you think he was in Porridge, he was in the original Poldark, he appeared in Rent-A-Ghost, just to mention a few of the things that he's appeared in. The one thing I did find slightly disconcerting, we pre-recorded the interview, and fair play, he popped in, in his lunch hour, in between promoting the book, he was doing readings, he was doing book signings, but he did bring his lunch in. So as I'm interviewing him, all the way through the interview, he's munching a sandwich. But I will give him credit where credit is due. He was the ultimate professional. Not once during one of his answers could you hear him actually eating. Didn't sound like he was eating, but all the time I was interviewing him, it was stuffing his face with what looked quite a healthy sandwich, to be fair. Great fun to meet him, though. Really nice fella, top bloke. While we're talking about winners of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, that I have interviewed, I once interviewed Carl Fogarty, although that was many years before he had been anywhere near the Australian jungle. He had just retired from motorcycle racing and had released his autobiography. He was on a book tour around the country to promote it, and one of the stops on that book tour was Yeovil. So he came in to see me for an interview before he went on to do a book signing in that shop. I must confess, I was not really a massive fan of motorcycle racing. I knew who he was, and I'd seen the odd highlights of some of his races, but I wasn't an expert completely in the field of motorsports. That said, when I met him, I instantly liked him. He was upbeat, lively, funny, entertaining and amusing. And the good thing about interviewing somebody who has an autobiography out, even if you don't know anything about them or their lives, they're there to talk about a book about their lives. 
so it does make it rather easy asking the questions especially if you have an advanced copy of the book because you can just read the sleeve notes and that should at least give you a couple of questions to get them started therefore despite me not knowing too much about it the interview went fine and as i always did for any interview i did quite a bit of research the internet is a marvelous invention you can find out all sorts of quirky and different things about people that you can throw into interviews to sometimes maybe get a different answer, a different angle, or the dream is to ask them a question or ask them about something in a way that they've never been asked before. Because if you could imagine, if you're going around the country doing these interviews about the same thing, most of the time you are going to get asked exactly the same question. He was great though, and as soon as I saw he was in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, I wanted him to win from the start. He had all my support because I remembered what a top, friendly and lovely bloke he is. So I was delighted when he won it, very well deserved, and I'd love to catch up with him again because I'd imagine he's got a few new stories from the Australian jungle and some of the things that have happened to him since then. Neil Quigley. That's it for this week. One day I still do really want to meet Kylie Minogue, and I still want to headline another music concert. Plus, I'd love to speak to animatronic once again she was absolutely fantastic as i said that is it for this week thanks for listening have a great seven days be nice to each other and i'll catch you next week thanks bye bye